Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. question for the day. Have you ever noticed um, how many choices we have in life? And it's ever-expanding. There's more and more. Uh, You know, ordering coffee has become, you have to have like your own vocabulary to order coffee, full vocabulary. Uh, Everything, everything. It's unbelievable. You know, any purchase you make has become, at least for me, kind of overwhelming. Something as simple as like toothpaste, right? You got you're gonna buy toothpaste. So you got you got Aquafresh, Crest, Colgate, right? You got the major brands. I, personally, I am an Arm and Hammer baking soda guy, but you got your different brands. But then within each brand, there are multiple options. So here here is a little known fact. I'm gonna share something with you guys. Say that you don't get this anywhere else. This is why you come here. Colgate toothpaste. How many varieties of Colgate toothpaste are there? Five? Somebody else? Ten? Fifteen. Fifty-five. Fifty-five varieties of Colgate toothpaste. Would you run the next slide for me, Amy? Oh, one more. Go one more. Here you go. This is, this is not all of them. This is just a sampling. This is a random sampling of varieties of Colgate toothpaste. You've got your total gum protection, renewal whitening restoration, sensitive prevent and repair, sensitive lasting fresh, baking soda and peroxide whitening bubbles, renewal enamel. You've got your total total SF whitening. I was concerned about that one. I didn't know what SF meant, so I looked it up just to make sure it's legit. It's stannous fluoride. So you have total stannous fluoride whitening, Total sensitive, two-in-one mouthwash, icy blast. Max clean optic white renewal, optic white pro series. No amateurs in that category. You've got max fresh, cavity control, strong teeth, max clean smartphone, tartar protection whitening, total advanced whitening, triple action, and my very favorite, active salt with lemon. And again, that is just a sampling of the 55 different varieties of Colgate toothpaste paste, which you can buy. Uh, so my point is simply that if you multiply that out over the course of life, how many choices you have presented to you each day, just going to the grocery store. Again, you, you got toothpaste, but then you've got milk, bread, stuff like that, and there's so many different choices now. now I was thinking of sneakers. So, so when I was growing up, you know, the, the cool kids wore Vans. That's what the cool kids wore. And then a little bit later that shifted and Converse kind of came in style. But you had, you had your Nikes and you've got Adidas. And then somewhere around the 80s, I think, New Balance came on the scene. So, you know, a little, a little more options. Today, there are not only more brands, but there are more options. 
I look on that Nike website to buy a pair of shoes. Oh, you know that you, you know another. Here's another little fact. You know you can create your own custom shoes from Nike. You can pick the color, the style, the design, the color of the swoosh. All it's unbelievable the options that we have. Don't get me started on television. Once again, and when I was growing up, there were three networks: NBC, CBS, ABC. That was it. Sunday Night Family. You're watching 60 Minutes of Bonanza. That's it. Today, there are so many options. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, they want to embarrass us a little bit. We have Netflix and Amazon Prime at home, and the other night, we could not find anything to watch because we couldn't decide. There's like 40 million movies. I, are we, what are we going to watch? I don't know what to watch. There's too many things. There's too many choices. We think in our minds, the, 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 the natural sort of logic is that more choices leads to more freedom, right? And survey says no, that is incorrect, incorrect response. Uh, it's actually the opposite. It's actually the opposite. What it leads to is a sensory overload and something like brain freeze. You know how you eat a popsicle too fast and you get brain freeze? It's kind of the same thing where you just go, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. Um, there, the, the, the more choices, therapists will tell us, that the more choices that we have available to us will actually cause more anxiety and more depression. And again, this is a fairly new phenomenon. Thinking back two generations ago, even, you know, like I said, you know, 50 years ago as I was a kid growing up, life was fairly simple and fairly straightforward. You know, I mean, I mean, we, we, I was kind of making light of smaller decisions, but even larger decisions. You know, back in the day, Let's be honest, who, who you were going to marry, your choices kind of came down to people that went to your school or lived in your community or maybe went to your church, right? So you've got this little circle of people that are potential, you know, life partners. Today, I don't know how many different services there are and how many different websites and people on there that you could potentially choose from. I've never looked. There's got to be thousands, and so it's, it's, it's just overwhelming. How do we, as, as, as followers of Jesus, as believers, how, how do we make these decisions? Uh, how, how do we learn how to, to decide uh, what to do in the course of our life? When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, and you can put this up, Annie, if you want, uh, he said this, let your kingdom come. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be in your name. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come and your will, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The, the premise Jesus is speaking from here is that the will of God in heaven is complete and total and perfect. It's, it's just everything is as he intends it to be. And what he's saying is, I want you guys to pray that that same reality that you'll know in heaven eventually would be reality in your lives here today. Let your will be done here and now. And I, I would say that a key factor in our ability to make good decisions, to, to choose, you know, the, choose correctly uh, depends at least to some degree on our, our knowledge of and our understanding of what God's will is in a given situation. So um, I want to just pray. That was actually just your intro, and then we'll get started. 
Father, uh, again, just thank you. You're so good. I thank you for your word. I pray you would open your word up to us today that we would really grow and learn and receive. Just uh, give me some level of clarity as I speak in your name. Amen. All right. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, we'll look at this morning, just a few verses there. This is verses 9 through 12. For this reason, and uh, so to be parenthetically, this reason, we're coming in the middle of a section. Paul has been talking to the Colossians about their faith. He said, you guys are doing a great job. Your faith is good. You're really, you're really, you're, you're really just understanding and grabbing and, and walking in the things of the kingdom. So that's the reason that he's talking. It's for that reason, since the day we heard about you, so he got a report that they were doing well. We've not stopped praying for you. Praise for him all the time. And we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. That's what he's praying for them for, that God would continually fill them with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that, and this is why he wants that to happen, you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, that you might have endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. It's a great prayer. Great prayer. He wants the, the Colossian church to know the will of God. And then he says, these are the benefits. If you know the will of God, here's some of what will happen in your life. These, these are the things that will be done in and with and through you as you come to that understanding of God's will. Um, so it's clear to me, at least, as I, as I looked at this this week and could just kind of pondered on it a little bit, that in Paul's thinking, the will of God, walking in it, knowing it, understanding it, is a far better option than not, okay? If, if we somehow, uh, you know, traverse through life outside of God's will, chances are these same benefits will not be ours. That's his point. So, so the answer then is, or the question to the, not the answer, the question is, how do we approach this, all these decisions we have to make, all these choices we have to make every day in the will of God? How, how do we come to a place where we say, I, I, I want to make wise decisions. I want to make wise choices. I want to make decisions that are consistent with what God wants for me. Um, so here, first of all, I want to give you a few cautions. These are kind of what not to do. And, and you guys are smart. You're smarter than the average church. Um, so I don't think anybody does this, these things. But I'm going to just throw them out there because maybe you've seen or heard of somebody that does. But the first one is that there's not a Bible verse for every decision. And, and you may have had, you know, shared with a friend at some point, I, you, I got, I, I'm thinking about this or that, I don't know, make a choice, and they'll quote a verse to you. Might have some application, might not. There really isn't a, a, a Bible verse for every decision. And I think along with this would be the whole, and again, I don't think any of you have ever done this, but I know people that have. Uh, open their Bible up and put their finger down and then read whatever verse I land on. That's what God wants me to do. Don't do that, okay? Just don't do that. All right, that's just going, I think. Um, 
Okay, so that's number one, is there's not, a, there's not a verse for everything. Second thing not to do, not everything is a sign. Okay? Um, guy comes home, honey, we're moving to Ohio. We are. Why are we moving to Ohio? You won't believe it. I was driving today. In front of me, I see a car with an Ohio license plate. And I'm not kidding you, serious. 30 minutes later, totally different part of town, different car, Ohio license plate. Two Ohio license plates in one day. It's a sign. God is speaking. He's telling us to move to Ohio. You guys are laughing because you know people that have done that. Um, not everything is a sign, okay? If you see something like that, something that happened, you get that thought, pray that through. We'll talk in a minute about how to process those things, but not everything is a sign. And the third thing is this, and this is really kind of underlying both of the first two, and that is that we don't really need to know God's will on every detail of our life. I, you know, I, was, I, I made a joke out of, you know, toothpaste, but the truth is we don't need God's will on which toothpaste to buy. If you want the optic white fresh bubbles, get the optic white fresh bubbles. If you want the max clean, get the max clean. I don't know. Just, just pick one and go with it. All right? We don't need to know God's will, which toothpaste to buy, which socks to wear today. I think we can bog ourselves down sometimes with trying to discern what God wants us to do kind of on that level. God, here's, this is philosophically my belief is that God has given us a mind and we should use it. Okay, he, he, he's given us the ability to think through decisions and to weigh things out. And I think there's, there's value and purpose and actually growth that comes, spiritual growth that comes in our lives through that process. Okay, so that said, though, there are larger decisions in life that are significant, that will have significant impact, large impact, long-term impact on, on how we live. And so why would we not want to know God's will? Why would we not want to involve him in the process of those decisions? So not the little ones, but the big ones. And I'll say this, that we'll look at a, a, a few ways we can determine that. But before we do that, I'll just say this, that we're all wired differently. Everybody here in this room right now is wired a little bit differently. We all approach decisions differently. We process things differently. We process information differently. Uh, and, and that's okay. Uh, you do what works for you. But here are, I'll give us three strategies, three ideas that regardless of how you function personally, how you work, you can employ these into your process. And I think they'll be helpful for you. So the first of those, and you can throw the next slide up, Emmy, is imaginative discernment. You know, I, I, uh, side note, I realized this week as I was prepping that we've talked a lot about imagination lately. And I don't know if God's speaking something to us in that or not, but he might be. So just store that in your memory banks and think about it a little bit. Um, I, I don't know that as Christians we often consider the purpose of our imagination and our spiritual growth. But I, I believe that we, we should employ imagination into our decision-making. If you look at how God speaks biblically, okay, what are the ways God speaks to his people? In dreams, visions, impressions. Those things are all in the realm of our imagination. 
you know, how many, so there's a big, you know, in, in, in the Christian community, there's a whole idea of dream interpretation, right? Because you have a dream. What does it mean? What does that dream mean? And so that's, it's, it's, it's all in the realm of our interpretation, or it's all in the realm of our imagination. So uh, look at another verse. Go to 2 Corinthians 3 for me. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, so you're, in the, you're turning to God, you want, to, you want him to be involved in the process, the veil is taken away. Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we who all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. We're thinking about the glory of the Lord. We're be, as we do that, we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is a process. He's talking about a process of transformation in our lives. The word contemplate there to think about is in other, other translations translated as beholding. It, it, it's really the idea of looking at something and pondering it and thinking about it. And that's what he's saying is we look at and behold and ponder God's presence. We contemplate what he's doing. So this is sort of the what I concluded. The realm of our imagination is really where our spirit and our mind intersect. So in, in our imagination, our spirit and our mind, that's, that's where they cross paths. We begin to think about what is happening in the realm of our spirit. So how does that work? Let's say <clears throat> you have a decision. You're facing a big decision, you know. And I don't know what it might be. Maybe moving or, or, or relocating, maybe a job, maybe, maybe relocating for a job. Should I take this job? Should I not? A couple things I think you should do on the front end. One is check your own motivation. I think we have to come to the, you know, just be honest with ourselves. If we can't be honest with ourselves, where do we go? Is this just me? Is this something I want or am I really opening up honestly, sincerely to what God wants for my life? Because those things might be different. So you have to really check your own heart and say, is, is, this, is this just what I want? Or am I really, really pursuing what God wants? Second thing I would say then is to uh, ask, what are the options? So what, what, are, what are the options? What are my choices? And you might, if you're so inclined, write those down. You know, you got... A, B, C, you got three, three different options. And, and, then I and then I would go back to God and say, okay, Lord, here are the options I've got. Would you speak to me on this? Would you, would you begin to reveal to me your will uh, based on these options? And then here's where our imagination comes in. And this is a, a process that I don't know. I think the first two probably we, we do. I don't know if we all do this. But I would take some time. And imagine your life having made each of those choices. What would my life look like? What would it be like if I took A? What would it be like if I did B? What would it be like if I did C? And I would go so far as to say, carry that out a little bit. What will it be like in five years or ten years? You know, and, you, and, and, and that's a process that you're going to have to think through. What will my life look like in ten years if I choose this? I think this is super, super helpful, and I would just kind of subtitle that prayerfully, prayerfully envision the future. Prayerfully envision the future. And as you engage in that process, it's it's probable, I think it's likely that one of those is you as you 
kind of meditate or ponder, whatever word you like to use there on those decisions, those choices, that one of them will bring you a sense of peace. And you'll, you'll just feel a peace about that. And it may not be the most practical. It may not be the one that makes the most sense. It may not be the most financially advantageous. But you say, this is the one that I really sense God. I sense just that peace about moving forward with that. So, so that is the first thing, first thing, you know, is imaginative discernment. Use our imagine, employ our imagination in the process. Second thing, and you can go to the next slide for me, uh, Amy, is community discernment. Now go, go one more. So imagine, uh, that's the one I want. Community discernment, Proverbs is the book of wisdom, right? That's what it's, it's all about. So here, this is just a sampling, brief sampling from the book of Proverbs. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Fools are on their own. I'll go this way. Wise listen to advice. Plans lack for, fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. Listen to advice and accept discipline. At the end, you'll be counted among the wise. That's three verses. I think if we did a little in-depth study, there probably would be a dozen more in Proverbs, all saying basically the same thing, that uh, if we're going to function in wisdom, it will involve uh, engaging other people in the process. So I would say don't make decisions in isolation. Don't make important decisions in isolation. Uh, This is huge. Uh, This is probably the single most important thing I can say today, is that when we face decisions in life, important decisions, to engage other people in the process with us. Invite, invite people into the process with you. So if you're married, uh, you certainly want to include your spouse, right? Remember that, you know, honey, we're moving to Ohio. That's not a good situation. That's, I'm just telling you, that's not going to end well, okay? So if, if you're thinking, God is saying this to me, you need to, you know, today, uh, if you're married, engage your spouse and, and ask them, invite them into the process of weighing that out with you. So that, to me, should be obvious. Uh, beyond the obvious, though, there are others. We should all have people in our lives, and I, I'm assuming you do, who, who you trust, whose input you value, who you look to in situations like this, uh, people who are probably, maybe not always, but typically older than you, maybe a couple pages ahead of you in the book of life sort of thing, who, who you, you can look to. And I, I would encourage you, if you, if, as I say that, if you think, I don't know who that would be for me, to, to pray about that and think about trying to, 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 to incorporate people like that in your life, you know. And, and again, here's... It's, it's bigger than just this issue. I really believe this is a reflection of the kingdom. That that's, that's why God created us in community, for reasons like this. We're not supposed to be on our own. And, 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 and you read the Proverbs. You know, the end result of, of moving forward in life on your own is probably not going to be good. Whereas the end result of moving forward in life in community and, and, and in cooperation with other people is going to be a much, much better uh, ending for you. This really is, I think, a reflection of the, of the kingdom of God. I, I think it's one of the things that 
maybe is overlooked in our own hearts sometimes in terms of benefits of, of being a Christian, benefits of following Jesus, is that I have people around me that I consider to be wise and truthful and, and, and that were, are willing to give and willing to support and willing to help me. I've shared with you guys before. So, you know, the, I don't know if it's to this day, but certainly at the time, the biggest decision we ever made was to move here, plant this church. Both of us had lived in Southern California our whole lives. Um, and we were told by <laughs> numerous people, don't go there. <laughs> it's not going to be good. Uh, you know, but, but, but that said, there were people in my life. There was three different people that I really trusted, that I, that I believed in and I loved and I knew loved me. And I went to each one of them individually. And I said, here's what I'm thinking. I want you to pray about that. And I want you to let me know what you think. And all three of them came back and said, I think it's the Lord. That's what they said. I think that's the Lord. Now, if they would have come back to me and said, I don't know about this. I tell you, we would have reevaluated. We would have really reconsidered. Is this the right place? Is it the right time? Is this what we're supposed to do? But all three of them said, no, I think this is the Lord. So engage people in the process. Third thing, and Emmy, you can go to the last slide, is that God's will is always for today. What do I mean by that? What do I mean God's will is for today? This is what I mean. Let's say you go through this process of discernment. And you make a decision. And maybe God's, you know, you're praying about moving to another state to take a job. And so you do everything right, and you make the decision, and you go, and you move. Um, and it works out. It's good. It's a good. It's a good deal. Things are working well. But three, four years down the road, all of a sudden, the person that hired you leaves the company, or the company goes bankrupt, or something goes sideways, and it falls apart. So you might be tempted to think, was I wrong? Should we not have done this? Did I not hear from God? And I would say that that's not necessarily the case, that the truth is this. You, it may very well have been God's will for you at that time, and maybe now God's will for you is something else, and you have to start the process over again, because that's how life works. That's how life works. So a couple things don't change. God's nature, God's character, those things never change. God is good and he's for you, today, tomorrow, and always. That's God, God's nature and his character don't change. Another thing that doesn't change is God's ultimate will. God's ultimate will is for, is, is for the redemption of people, restoration of all things. Those are big picture things. Those don't change. Those are happening. Every little detail in God's will, it works towards those things, and that doesn't change. But how that plays out, the specific will of God in our lives day by day does change because life changes. It does change because life changes. So again, and, and I would say this too, maybe you respond, you go through a process of discernment, and you make a decision, and, you, and maybe in a short period of time it doesn't go well. And in you might think that I miss it. And again, I would say, not necessarily, not necessarily. It's not always going to be easy. And the decision God gives you might not be the, the simplest, the best one in terms of outcome. You might have to say, okay, God, why did you bring me here? Why am I in this place right now? Um, and, and the truth is this beyond that, and let's just be honest, there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of players. 
And it might be that you did the right thing. You went right where God called you to be, but somebody else is outside of God's will, and they're throw, out there throwing rocks at you. I mean, that happens. It just happens. It's, it's, the world is complex. The world is complex, and lives are complex. And, and, and we have to do our very best, I believe, to discern the will of God and to move forward in that. Uh, one example, I'll give you an Old Testament example of how the will of God changes and shifts along with the hearts and desires of people. In the Old Testament, if you recall, God didn't want Israel to have a king. He said, I'm your king. I want to have direct connection, no middleman. You and me. What did the people of Israel say? We want a king. Those guys have a king. Those guys have a king. We want a king. Everybody has a king. We don't have a king. God said, okay, okay. You want a king? I'll give you a king. Gave him Saul. Didn't go so well, did it? Wasn't a very good king. So then that changed, and then David became king. Better for a while. Didn't end up so well. Later on, Solomon became king. Again, went pretty good for a while. Maybe didn't end well. So the point is simply this, that the will of God moves and changes, life moves, time moves. There's a lot of factors at play. There's a lot of, a lot of, uh, of different people and spiritual realities that come into play. So it's on us to do the best we can to discern, to use discernment and to really know God's will and to press into that. And I, and I really do believe that the scripture is accurate in that if we do that, it will be to our benefit, that life ultimately will go better than if we don't. Um, but God's, God's will does and will change. And along the way, we need to be conscious and aware of that and willing to redirect. Um, just because God said, go here, go there, do this or do that, doesn't mean that's forever. It's for today. It's just for today. So, so I really believe, again, our series is Rhythms of Grace. Uh, it's sort of looking at ways in which we walk out our life in the, in the grace of God and, and, and in those rhythms that help us to walk in his presence. And this is one of those. To, to, to practice discernment, to learn discernment, and learn to walk out the presence of God in his will and to seek his will. I think it's, again, even if we don't always come to a clear conclusion, the process itself is good to practice. It will cause us to draw closer to God. So uh, that's it. Why don't we uh, stand? We're early today. Look at that. You get to go home early today. How do you like that? Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give. 